Writing your oncology case report is a huge undertaking, and it's easy to make silly mistakes that can derail your entire writing process. That's why you need my brand new masterclass, the three-step framework for a finished case report. In this free masterclass, you'll learn three of the biggest mistakes to avoid when writing your case report, the secrets to actually finishing your case report, no matter the patient case you've chosen, and my proven three-step framework for starting and finishing your very own oncology case report. Save your seat today at theoncopt.com slash framework. Again, that's theoncopt.com slash framework. Welcome to the Onco PT Podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent Onco PT. Here's your host, Elise Contu. Hey, Onco PT, and welcome back to this episode of the Onco PT Podcast. Now, we wrapped up the holiday season, but we are entering almost a second holiday season for me as a physical therapist, because if you've been around here for any length of time, you know that conferences are my jam, and CSM is like second Christmas to me. So we are kicking off our CSM preview sessions with another dynamic guest who has been on the podcast previously, and I'm so excited to have back to talk about her very exciting CSM session. Welcome back, Dr. Lori Bowright, to the Onco PT podcast. Thanks, Elise. This is wonderful. Good fun. Call me Lori. Okay, I love it. So Lori just mentioned to me right before we hit record that she's never been to Boston. Um, so Lori, I'm going to go off script momentarily. What are you most excited about for Boston as a first-time Boston traveler? So I'm a humongous history buff. So I want to see some sites. I don't know that I'll have a lot of time, but whatever time I get, I'll be on foot and um, looking for the, you know, main historic sites. Um, if you want a 17 mile walk path, I was in Boston a couple years ago and I'm also like a history nerd. And yeah. so I went from our hotel and I went over to like some of the historical sites. I ended up at the old North church and then it came back and like, Managed to because I really love I love history, but I also really love seafood and especially like the seafood in Boston. So highly recommend. Anyways, like we'll have to talk more about that off air because I love Boston. I've been there a few times and I'm so excited to go back. So I'm really excited that you get to experience Boston for the first time. Lori. It's going to be yeah. such good fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm a rookie. I think um, I can't recall off the top of my head, but I did write it down. Um, there were two restaurants that were highly recommended nice. for seafood specifically. So yeah, we'll have to compare notes and maybe even oh my God. for a meal. That would be Yes, please. That would be amazing. Okay. So we're, of course, talking about Boston because CSM is being held this year in Boston, which again, we're very excited for. Can you tell us about one of your sessions? Yeah, y'all, I did say one of. We're going to focus on one of Lori's sessions today, and then we'll tease the other ones at the end of this interview. But Lori, can you tell us a little bit about your session titled Navigating the Complex Situations and Tough Conversations of Working with the Cancer Population? I certainly can, Elise. I know that you want to know when it is, and I did write this down, I February 17th. Do. It's the 8 to 10 a.m. session on Saturday. 
Um, myself and Dr. Chris Wilson are collaborating on presenting the material. Dr. Deb Doherty has also collaborated. We're sort of like the dynamic trio of, uh, of projects. And, um, I will say this is the extension of a project that we have done, um, in, you know, a variety of different ways at our state level. Um, and nice. so we wanted to kind of repackage it a little bit and, and spruce it up. Um, I conceptualize it as our social determinants of health and also providing clinicians with very tangible ways to improve communication, to feel more comfortable delivering difficult news. Um, so myself and Dr. Doherty kind of collaborated on the social determinants of health. We pull out financial toxicity as something that we, um, you know, delve much more deeply into as a social mm -hmm. determinant of health. So those are sort of like the, if it's a three-parter, it's, you know, a broad overarching um, explanation and, and working your way through trying to solve and, and help be present through some of those social determinants of health. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that um, in greater detail. But then again, we pull out financial toxicity as sort of a standalone because it is so super impactful. Um, yes. And then the last really half of the session is the um, navigating those um, those tough conversations that we have to have with patients. It's, it's a really mm -hmm. a given in the oncology space. So, um, and that's really Dr. Chris Wilson's purview. Um, he does a lot in his entry-level DPT curriculum um, courses and actually mm -hmm. teaches in the graduate certificate program at Oakland University as well um, on those specific topics. So there are, um, you know, the, those three sort of subsections, um, I will say it really, the, the aim is to prepare clinicians to help patients manage, you know, a multitude of social, emotional issues. Um, again, helping them to find resources. And again, I don't ever purport that we can solve all of the problems, right? We have our purview. Um, but it is within our responsibility realm to resource with patients for patients and help them get to navigate is the word um, our colleagues who have specialty, you know, um, areas of expertise in financial toxicity specifically. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and this presentation doesn't necessarily give you all the tools because again, it's sort of out of our purview, um, but things to think about and then some real practical ways to resource for patients and um, to help you network as a clinician to develop, you know, the network that you need so that you can confidently refer when, because um, mm -hmm. it's really, again, not in its such situation. We've talked about this before. Um, it's not, if you're going to see a cancer patient in your practice, I don't care if you want to specialize or not, it's when and truly where, you know, many of these social determinants of health are concerned, especially financial toxicity. It's not if it's when. It's rare mm -hmm. that, that you know, someone will transition from diagnosis through survivorship without a copay or impactful mm -hmm. deductible, right? Um, so, you know, being forced to make some of those difficult decisions in terms of, do I pick this? Do I pay the bills this month or do I get my chemotherapy? I mean, those are real, real situations. And so um, it is, um, 
I would say good fortune to be in a health system that has, you know, financial navigators um, that will, you know, solve and, and help resolve issues, find um, money through grants, um, community resources that involve, um, you know, multiple levels, faith-based, secular, those kinds of mm-hmm. things to help, um, you know, provide resources that patients might need at, at any given, at any given scenario. So again, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily our job to do all of that, but to help them resource and um, find those resources. When I first started practicing, I was very unprepared and frankly naive about just how many of these conversations I would be having with my patients. And I think it comes from a few different reasons is, you know, for me and outpatient as an outpatient physical therapist, I spend a lot of time with my patients. You know, I usually am very privileged. I get to see my patients for about an hour at a time. And I mean, we are, we are, we are talking, right? We're doing our interventions, of course, but I mean, like, I get to hear all about the things. I get to hear about their their lives. I get to hear about their kids and their grandkids and their pets. And we also talk about some not so fun topics like the financial implications and like how much of a struggle it is. You know, I'm thinking back a really like more drastic example of just some of the financial toxicity that one of my patients faced is this patient of mine was in his seventies and he was couch surfing between his adult children's homes because he could not live at home by himself. And so he was sleeping on either a sleeping bag or like a blow up mattress. And that unbeknownst to me at the time, but on like months of working with him, it finally came to light of just how bad his sleep was. And that was absolutely affecting his capability to participate in our rehab sessions. So I just tell this, Lori, because I know there's probably someone out there listening who is like, is it really my place as a physical therapist to have these conversations about finances with patients? What would you tell that person? So I love what you've done here, actually, because we're we're talking about like a three part presentation or education session, right? And the last of which is having difficult conversations in the cancer context. Um, but we've dovetailed it into you know the second part, which is that very specific social determinant of health. We've, health we've um, kind of pulled out to highlight. Um, what I will say is this conversation and being your authentic self and being very, you know, open and, and, and willing to discuss things with patients varies from person to person. Um, I don't want to go the lengths of saying you either have this or you don't, but it does come much more naturally to some than others. I've never struggled having mm-hmm. a conversation really with anyone. I can have a conversation mm-hmm. in the drive through at Starbucks. Like my kids get really frustrated when I'm, you know, <laughs> Telling them my life story and and you know where we're off to Absolutely. blah blah blah. So I haven't struggled in this domain, but working with students over the years, you do see the gamut of of individuals that will struggle in this domain. So mm-hmm. my best advice is to be your authentic self because if you're trying to um, act the part or Fake it till you make it. Some, again, I can't do blanket statements because some people are successful in that way. But I have found when, you know, I'm working with students, we'll just give an example of um, 
you know, their, their very first practical examination and they are having a hard time communicating, asking important questions, you know, taking the history. Um, other students are, you know, making small talk along the way. And so, again, there's those two, you know, different sides of, of the spectrum. Um, in, in coaching students in terms of having even just regular conversations with people, it's, it's being your authentic self, pulling, pulling from things that, that have meaning to you, finding common ground between you and your patient. And so mm-hmm. when you were talking about how this individual was couch serving for several months and you didn't know it, you, you had to develop that relationship first, right? So that these really, that is these true. really aren't conversations that you'll probably have on day one, unless they, unless you ask, is there anything else you're concerned about? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, are there other things outside of PT that, you know, might be bugging you that you might want to put on my radar because I can help, help you, you know, find who you might need to, to help with. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So if you have those open-ended types of things as part of your, you know, just normal approach, great, because people might might bring that out. But my sense is those are more the naturally, you know, comfortable, more conversant clinicians, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that, you know, being your authentic self, um, and then there, there's lots of strategies, and we will bring a lot of that through in terms of having these these difficult conversations mm-hmm. where you're delivering difficult news or, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're having conversations related to preparing for the end of life. I mean, when I think about the difficult conversations in the cancer context, it's that. And mm-hmm. when is it a good time to start introducing that? Because you don't want to wait too long. You and I have talked about hospice and palliative care quite a bit. Um, yes. And introducing that is probably one of the most, and I would call it a courageous conversation that I've ever had with patients, right? Um, because it, it, even if you are in a situation where it's an incurable cancer and, you know, there are issues related to um, quality of life, we'll just lump it into quality of life, mm-hmm. um, wanting to maximize that. Um, it is, I will say, it's not easy for anyone, but being your authentic self, and I always focus on what we can do to help or make things better. Um, I don't use, I don't like to use negative terminology. Um, so trying to keep things as positive as possible, but you always want to be truthful too. So um, mm-hmm. Dr. Wilson will talk at length about um, a few different um, techniques. Motivational interviewing is is one that is used often. Um, a little bit less, I would say, in the the palliative care and, and hospice domain potentially, um, for you know compliance and and again just to um, have a, a general understanding, give the patient some autonomy um, Mm -hmm. an ownership of, of the process of, of decision-making, you know, you're, you're trying to provide as much information as possible in a very truthful way so that they can make informed decisions. Um, but there are programs out there. Vital Talk is one that, that Dr. Wilson will talk about. Um, I think, um, Memorial Sloan Kettering also has a wonderful online course, um, that those who, you know, get the, 
taste and, and gist of what we're offering with this um, education session potentially need or or want more, um, mm-hmm. there are other other avenues that they can seek for for additional guidance and um, you know a little more of the hospice palliative care um, tone is the word that's coming to mind because I think yeah. it, it does have a little different sound flavor choose your word. Mm-hmm. And even as someone, you know, like I'm obviously looking forward to this session and I have not attended it yet because it's clearly not February at this point. But one of the things, you know, I, I do have waves of patients where I feel like I have a very heavy load of patients who are in the more end of life stages, right? So I definitely go through those phases, but a difficult conversation that I think I have way more commonly, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, Lori, is around lymphedema. And a lot of times I unfortunately get patients who come to me who have very unfortunately like wrong information about lymphedema. Like, let's just call it what it is where, you know, they may not, they may actually have no information whatsoever. Like they may have been told this is not going to be an issue for you. We hear that a lot. Um, even if you get it, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You'll wear a sleeve and like, it'll be fine. Or, you know, if you do what you're supposed to and you, you know, wear your sleeve, it's, I throw it back on the sleeve because that's what I hear most often, you know, like, You'll wear your sleeve for a bit and then it'll be gone. And each of these are very wrong of, of, you know, just different kind of phases of where they're at with the, you know, their information regarding lymphedema. And this is sometimes even from people within the medical field, right? This is not they're going to Google and looking this information up. And so this is a conversation that I have with many of my patients, unfortunately. And so if you're someone who's listening to this conversation right now and you're thinking, you know, I don't really work with a lot of end of life patients. It's probably not super pertinent to me. I would bet that the techniques and like the motivational interviewing that Lori is talking about that Chris Wilson is going to do would really help me out in that situation because that hands down, Lori is one of the most common conversations that I end up having to have with patients about, no, this is a chronic condition that we are going to have to manage for the rest of your life. And that is hard news. That is hard news to receive. That is hard news to deliver in a like aware and compassionate, but also truthful way. And I really love the emphasis that you've had so far on truthful with all of this. Right. Right. And I think that's a really good example. So again, you know, the, the palliative care and end of life hospice types of conversations, certainly not the only ones you will have. I pulled that out as, you know, an extreme example. Oh, right, um, of course. But we have these, these kinds, these similar kinds of issues that you're having with, you know, these patients who have been kind of misdirected and misinformed about their issues with lymphedema, mm-hmm. um, just in the general context of oncology rehab, right? I'll recently, a breast cancer patient who had radiation, no prehab, nobody told her she should be ranging her shoulder, even just regular range of motion through treatment comes with a frozen shoulder. So there's just so much wrong with, you know, again, the whole referral process and prehab. I'm not going down that rabbit hole today because it's my favorite rabbit hole, but that's not why we're here. But those kind of conversations are difficult because you certainly don't want to undermine your medical 
your colleagues in medicine, right? Right. Um, they are very obviously not up to par in terms of, you know, current evidence and what patients should be doing mm-hmm. um, to minimize those issues. It's not to say that they're, you know, doing anything wrong. We've talked about this too. It's it's the silo effect, right? They're in the business of saving lives. So they're doing right. that with radiation. Um, but the manifold consequence to, you know, the the lack of, of proper information dissemination is that we have these quality of life issues. So yeah, I mean, that's impactful too. And you stop short of saying, should you, you know, if you saw me three months ago, we could have prevented this I mean, thing. right. <laughs> Because that's a major undermining of your medical colleagues. But, you know, there again, you have to be truthful. Okay, now what we're dealing with is a very fibrotic joint capsule, you know, whatever the case may be. And this takes a long time to rehabilitate. And it's quite a bit of work. Um, You know, and again, you impart, you know, as much of your physical as well as emotional self, you know, as as you're capable of doing. within the bounds of, you know, your capacity to be empathic. And um, that weighs on you too. Having these difficult conversations on a regular basis is is impactful. We've talked about that. Um, I think, you know, at least a little bit, the, the impact. So um, there is something to be said for having to have, you know, the sort of divesting and, and offloading conversations with, non-patients and, you know, if it's colleagues, if it's friends and family to make sure that you're, you know, caring for yourself in that way as well. Yeah. Ooh, that's a, ooh. Is that something that you're going to talk about in the session? Because I feel like that's a really, really big deal. Because I do think, you know, a lot of us here in OncoPT have such a, like a heart and a passion for this. And I feel like we wear that so like openly of just how much we care for these patients to our detriment sometimes that we take on maybe a little or a lot um, too much when we need to like, okay, here's a boundary. And this is, you know, this is outside of that boundary for me because, oh, oh, you just hit on something, Lori, that I'm like, oh my God, really important stuff. So we need to play Scrabble because a lot is a great word. <laughs> Um, I did catch what you did there. Um, I will say there, there will be, there's time for, um, collaborating and practicing a lot of these techniques. Um, so I can't really necessarily say that we're going to impart that like on a global scale, but Mm -hmm. you know, through, through small group facilitation, some of those things might come up. Um, I will say it is it is an area of mine that that is of significant interest because I feel like we do not dedicate enough time to it. And it's not just in the oncology rehab clinical space. It's in the, you know, post covid. Every healthcare worker space. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe we've just planted a seed on a future idea to collaborate on for a, a CSM session in 2025. Who knows? Oh, my God. Um, this leads really nicely into my next question, because this is going to be what we reflect on and point back to when I ask that question in the future. Um, what was the inspiration behind coming up with this, this session? Because there's so like, I mean, we know there's so much to talk about in cancer rehab. Why this? Why at CSM? 
I think the the why is is my general why. And again, this was a collaborative with with two colleagues that you know we we work very well together. We do a lot of work together um, through the development of our textbook. We have some wonderful space in the textbook dedicated to a lot of these concepts, but it nice. was something I feel like we came out of that experience and maybe in an unrecognized way, it's something we want to evolve and contribute a little bit more in this space, potentially for the second edition of the textbook. I think, you know, that was sort of an unspoken rationale. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just something when you work well with colleagues, you just kind of vibe. And and I think, you know, Dr. Wilson and Dr. Doherty and I do that very, very well. Um, so I'm very, very fortunate to have such great colleagues and, and support in that way. Um, but that it all directs back to our, our overarching why is to improve mm-hmm. survivorship for really everyone who's touched by cancer. Um, and, you know, our little seed planting with you know, potentially talking about the importance of self care and all of that in the future, that's care of the clinician who is affected by cancer, right? Because we're working in this domain, um, including, you know, in, in the mission of, of APTA Michigan Oncology Rehab SIG, we have, um, I can't reiterate it verbatim right now, but we've talked about all persons affected by cancer. And that includes, um, improving survivorship and it, it, it involves improving the support that that um people who are supporting the survivor right so the carers mm-hmm. we might even term it exactly that way um and then you know the obvious person you know diagnosed with cancer is is at the center of that and that's the obvious obvious why but um i feel also compelled to mention just briefly that historically bless you <laughs> again um we can't ignore the underserved and underrepresented um and so that's you know the the those social determinants of health that adversely affect some more than others is just you know not where any of us want to practice so it's it's bringing those obvious things to light, um, giving the clinician some practical tools to resolve some of the minor things, right? Again, not all of it is within our, our scope of practice or, you know, purview. Um, but I am always of the mindset, and this is one of my mantras, even with my entry-level DPT students, you know better, you do better. So if you know someone that could help this person, you connect them. And so whether or not that's part of your job or not, you know, knowing better and doing better is, is the, the mainstay of, of my practice. And, and certainly I extend that into my, my um, teaching life as well. We didn't plan it this way, but this episode has kind of been like a full circle moment for me, like on air <laughs> while I'm not sneezing, obviously like off mic. But I opened with talking about my patient who was couch surfing and you pulled out something, Lori, that like genuinely I had never thought of, of that maybe that patient wasn't comfortable enough to talk to me about that. Like this was a point that you made earlier in the episode and I'm sitting here like, 
Huh, I never thought about it that way before. And then something that you just said, like just now, again, full circle, of you know better, you do better. And so after that experience with that patient of learning that, oh, they are couch surfing and they don't have a mattress to sleep on that is not a blow-up mattress because we all, we've all slept on a blow-up mattress and we know the kind of sleep that we get on that. Now I know that I need to be talking to my patients about this. And I never would think, as someone who has a mattress that I get to sleep on every single night, I never would have considered that that was not the reality for all of my patients, right? And that's not something I default to thinking about. I need to ask about this. And so again, like Lori said, you know better. Now it is your responsibility to do better. And I think that sleep situation for me was a great example of that, of you know, moving forward, I know to ask my patients those kinds of questions. And again, it stemmed from a what I until today genuinely thought was a very innocuous conversation. That may have actually been a really hard conversation for my patient to have with me. And maybe I wasn't ready to receive that information. And so I do think maybe being a clinician who is more proactive in maybe laying the foundation to have some have some of these maybe more uncomfortable and vulnerable difficult questions and conversations with patients will open up opportunities to show up better for our patients in the long run anyways i'm having this on air realization lori that i'm just like wow this is a really big learning moment for me um and i'm really appreciative wonderful. of that <laughs> It's wonderful. And I'm, I'm similarly learning from you. We are all constantly evolving. I think um, if you can extend that, you know, again, I feel like the word you pull out or I'm pulling out of that is authenticity. You, you, you need to be vulnerable with your patients so they can be vulnerable with you. Um, yeah. It's the human in you meeting the human in them and, and walking with them, not, dragging them through or following them through. You are walking with them on this journey. Chills. Chills, Lori. Oh my God. I love when I do that. <laughs> oh, okay. I feel like we've already answered this, but I want I want to know what your answer to this is. Why is it so important for CSM attendees to go to this session on Saturday, February 17th at 8 a.m.? I think that the topics we will discuss span beyond the oncology domain. So that's importance number one. This is Love. for all clinicians, not just oncology clinicians. I mean, there's a lot that is, I mean, it's going to be under the auspices of, of oncologic physical therapy. Um, mm -hmm. But savvy clinicians will realize that these scenarios exist outside of oncology rehab. So mm -hmm. that it, it will help everyone. Um and it will do that by giving resources and practical information and allowing for practice of some of these skills that you will develop. Um, so it's almost like a full knowledge translation experience. Mm -hmm. And that will allow you to return to the clinic when you return, ideally Monday morning, sometime early in the week. Um, and be able to use these strategies. So practical information, knowledge, translation, skill building, um, again, in the oncology space that 
I think you can extrapolate to any clinical conversation. What is one takeaway that you want for attendees to walk away from their session, your session, and walk into their hospital or their clinic on Monday morning and be like, I got this? With confidence, having practiced the skills, um, I think that's the word, confidence, and being able to use those skills right away. Oh, I love that. Well, you know, our... our <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, potentially even in your personal life, right? I mean, we all have to have difficult conversations. These are skills that I think are life skills, not necessarily just work skills. So that's another little pearl. I would agree with that. Um, listen to Mother Lori. She's giving you life advice here. <laughs> what I was going to say, Lori, is you know that our motto here at, or like our tagline here at the Onco PT is, helping physical therapists treat oncology patients confidently and competently. So like the confidence thing, I am all about that. So this is perfect. One last time, where can people, or I should say, when is your session so that people can be on the lookout for that when they're signing up and planning out their CSM? Uh, February 17th. So that's that Saturday morning, 8 to 10 a.m. Um, typically in my experience, things are pretty straightforward in the app. Um, Mm -hmm. and you can star sessions and add them to your, your, um, little calendar. And that, that's kind of how I stay organized because it really is information overload so that, that you are doing this to help people kind of parse out what might be of of special interest to them is, is really a good Mm -hmm. service. So thanks, Elise. Yeah, that's, I mean, and again, Lori and I were talking off air. This is exactly why I do this because, even today, like I know, because I was already looking at the CSM schedule of how am I going to prioritize what I want to attend to? Because I need, like in the Harry Potter books, Hermione has a has a time turner. And so she can go back in time and attend the classes, attend all the classes. I need that for CSM because this three-day extravaganza is just not enough for me. Like I really need it to be a week, but also not a week long. So last question, Lori, which will also help people kind of say, okay, where am I going to go when I'm going to go to it? Is your session going to be on demand? This particular session will not be offered on demand. Good to know. Good to know. Okay. um, Let's give a little time. Tell us about your poster. When are people going to be able to go and see that? So the poster presentation I've been assigned to is Saturday. It's that same day, Saturday afternoon, 1 to 3 p.m. Typically, the posters are in the exhibit hall, so that's a little easier to Mm -hmm. find. And they're Mm -hmm. like divided by section. Um, The title of the poster is Perceptions and Outcomes of Older Adults Following a Cancer Prevention Educational Seminar. And it is a project that I worked on with four very talented uh, DPT students. Um, They actually helped myself, Dr. Chris Wilson and Dr. Sarah Arena, um, develop a cancer prevention education module. And it was delivered to older adults in person. Um, And we did a a survey of their perceptions and knowledge. And much Mm -hmm. of what we discovered was we were pretty effective in delivering the content. Um, So little spoiler alert, but lots of significance in terms of outcomes statistically, Mm -hmm. but I feel like the best outcome, and I will just say this because my students won't be joining me to present, unfortunately, um, 
But the best outcome of all was watching them grow as students and talking about confidence, Mm -hmm. putting together a mini PowerPoint and delivering it to a room of older adults is pretty anxiety provoking. All four students did an exceptional job, enjoyed every minute of it. The older adults just, you know, oohed and odd over the wonderful experience that they provided. And so I'm really proud of this project. That is so exciting. Oh my gosh. Um, First of all, congrats to those students. That is such like a monumental accomplishment to do. And I'm really, really excited to see that poster. So wonderful on that. And then you also have another session at CSM. Is that correct? Yep. I'm part of another um, collaborative session. Um, A group of us were asked to contribute to this um, particular presentation and larger project. It is um, the how-to manual for including oncology rehab in entry-level DPT curricula. Um, Shana Harrington and Chris Wilson for the last several years have been working on um, information sourcing data gathering related to what's being currently taught across the Mm -hmm. country related to oncology rehab um, and put together a really exceptional Delphi study, the outcome of which was not much and we need to, you know, up, up the ante a little bit in terms of what we're providing um, mm-hmm. because they they are required to know certain things for entry-level board practice um, mm-hmm. or passing the boards for entry-level practice rather. Right. Um, so, you know, the work to come is, is involving um, working with CAPTI. We do not currently have CAPTI standards um, for mm-hmm. oncology, for DPT curricula, but um, this how-to manual will really help to kind of ramp up what programs might have existing or fill gaps that maybe is not there. Um, needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So um, that we are preparing an entry-level workforce because I know as, at list, as a listener of your podcast, many episodes do stem on the, the volume of um, cancer patients to the lack of um, qualified clinicians. So, you know, if if we can, you know, narrow that gap through entry level preparation, um, you know, all the better, at least to help triage and and get things moving. So there you have it, y'all. Some very exciting topics and conversations that are going to be had at CSM. Very, very excited about this. Lori, where can people connect with you? I mean, obviously, we're going to be at CSM, so that's number one. But where can people connect with you after listening to this podcast episode? They're like, I'm obsessed. Where can I learn more? Um, I am on faculty at Oakland University. So email address right at oakland.edu. Um, for direct messaging, I'm very accessible. Um, I'm on Twitter. I don't remember what my handle is. You might have to put that in the show I notes. I can find it. I'll yeah. Find it. That's not a and, problem. <laughs> and Instagram too. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Either of those two places. Perfect. Um, I will and then I'm... a lot of fun in the oncology rehab space. So if you're not on Twitter, you should. Yeah. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I was just going to leave one little tidbit with, um, she mentioned it, but I just want to make sure that that was, that was acknowledged. Um, she is also part of the amazing oncology rehab textbook team that we had on the podcast, like a year ago or so. 
So that's also going to be linked in the show notes, because if you are considering diving into oncology rehab in any capacity, you need this textbook on your bookshelf. So Lori, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. This was such fun. And I'm really, really excited about this session because it's very needed, obviously in the oncology session, you know, like world, but also just, I think being a better clinician, it's going to be really, really impactful. So make sure y'all If you're going to CSM, mark your calendar. The Navigating Complex Situations and Tough Conversations of Working with the Cancer Population is happening on Saturday, February 17th at 8 a.m. And we will see you there. So Lori, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast to talk about this today. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Onco PT podcast. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, leave a rating and review, or support us on Patreon. 